0: What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun. I found a way to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. 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 Welcome, listener, to Chapter 207 of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, the Laura Logan Gets Pilled and Fumbles the Bag episode. As always, we are your hosts,
1: Jake Rokotansky, Julian Fields, and Travis View. Laura Logan is on quite a path. From her humble roots as a South African journalist working at CBS News, to her bizarre fixation with Benghazi, to her getting so profoundly red-pilled that even Newsmax had to distance itself, she's got all the hallmarks of a solid character in the QAA Extended Universe. This week we'll be fleshing out her story arc so that we can bilk podcast listeners for years with spin-offs, Laura Logan action figures, and maybe even a AAA video game. Match that with the rising star of Dinesh D'Souza, whose election fraud conspiracy theory film 2000 Mules was an unexpected hit with mainstream audiences. And we have the kind of dynamite that'll go big with both domestic and international markets, skyrocketing our stock options and paving the way for our merger with Joe Rogan which is gonna be another insanely profitable venture that will see the laying off of hundreds of QAA employees and make all of us billionaires. I even hear Jake has an album in the works and a deal with Adidas, so what could possibly go wrong? By 2024, we'll be living in the Jaco system and have Travis View's portrait hanging above every mantle in the country. In the meantime, we've got some work to do getting you to like these two insanely unlikable figures that are nonetheless our golden geese. Dinesh D'Souza, and Lara Logan. Before we jump into the rest of the show, I just wanted to tell you about the upcoming dates that we have on the, broadly speaking, East Coast. So we will be in Philadelphia at the First Unitarian Church on November 12th, tickets still available. Tickets to the Brooklyn show at the Bell House on November 14th are unfortunately sold out. Washington DC on the 15th still has tickets available at the Howard Theater, come check us out. Toronto, Ontario in Canada at the Garrison, November 18th, tickets still available. Not many left though. Chicago, Illinois at Lincoln Hall, sold out on November 20th. And Minneapolis, Minnesota at the Parkway Theater on November 21st, closing out our shows for this year. We still have some tickets for that. Go check that out at tour.qanonanonymous.com, and we can't wait to see you out there. It's been real fun so far. Also, check out the Man Clan podcast by myself and Annie Kelly, which explores the online world of masculinity influencers and all the historical context. An intellectual context that you need and want to find out why these people are saying these things to our boys. You can check that out at patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous. That includes access to the premium episode every single week, our entire archive of premium episodes, plus all 10 episodes of Travis View's first season of Trickle Down
2: and the ongoing Man Clan series.
0: Dinesh D'Souza.
2: On the last main episode, we discussed the massive judgment against Alex Jones and InfoWars and how that may affect how conspiracists behave. And I think we have our first big example of the fallout from that. It concerns the book version of 2,000 Mules by Dinesh D'Souza. So... For those who are just joining us, 2000 Mules is the documentary that alleges a vast conspiracy between unnamed left wing nonprofit groups and paid ballot mules or traffickers who stuff vote by mail drop boxes in a plot to steal the 2020 election. Now, the documentary did not name which nonprofits supposedly were involved in this scheme, and it relied on sort of like really shoddy kind of like GPS data that was sort of baked and made to imply a lot of stuff that just was not in evidence. But D'Souza promised that the book version would name exactly which of these organizations participated in the conspiracy to steal the election.
1: Oh my God. So he's not just satisfied selling you this piece of shit movie. He wants you to go and buy the book as well so that you can find out more. I mean, this is. God damn, my man is grifting. Yeah,
0: somebody is whispering in his ear. Maybe it's just uh, one side of his mouth to the other side of his mouth. But uh, I think he's like, a book deal. Now that would be interesting
1: (laughs) yeah and then the book is going to say well well actually we're not going to tell you here but we will tell you and then he's going to like invoke a new format (laughs) he's he's like he's like (laughs) you get to the end of the last chapter and he's like and the one who
0: orchestrated the plan is find out in the two thousand
1: <laughs> mules video game, which we'll be releasing on PlayStation
0: and Xbox in November of this year,
1: it's going to be like a wave-based <laughs> FPS where two thousand
0: mules You're come a, at you. You play, you play as a as a ballot box.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're the ballot box. You're the ballot box you against upgra- two thousand mules. Yeah,
0: you upgrade the security on your slot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just like a bunch of antifa, just just waves and waves coming at you.
1: In the dark of night, just creeping with their ballots, trying to shove them in your mouth. But you're a mimic, so you have, like, the teeth and your legs spring up when the fucking mules arrive and you start tearing your way through them.
0: Yeah, or if, like, somebody defeats you and actually opens the chest, it, like, transports you to, like, Dinesh D'Souza's basement.
1: (laughs) We really need Travis to save us from this video game tangent.
2: So what happened was, just before the release date, of the original version of the book. The publisher, Regency, issued a recall, though some copies of the book did reach bookstores. So D'Souza and Regency did not give a reason for the sudden recall. Instead, they blamed an unspecified publishing error and declined to answer questions about the mistake. But the error was significant enough to cause uh, Salem Media, which is Regency's parent company, to lower its corporate earnings estimate because it was so costly. Wow. Apparently, um, even True the Vote distanced themselves from the book. They issued this statement to NPR.
0: True the Vote had no participation in this book and no knowledge of its contents. This includes any allegations of activities of any specific organizations made in the book. We made no such allegations. All right. This sounds like a lawsuit. This sounds like a potential. Yeah. Uh, they they wrote something they published in the book that, you know, once in print, uh, you, you know, especially if it's not not
1: true. Um, true, yeah. the vote is touching no royalties on this project and as such denies any
2: involvement. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not getting a dime from this, so it's not worth it to stick our neck out. So... A revised edition of the 2000 Mules book was finally made available, and uh, NPR, they they acquired an old version of the book and compared it against the new version, and they noted a few uh, pretty significant changes. Uh, For example, D'Souza had previously described left-wing nonprofits as doing vote trafficking. That was the phrase that he used. Mm -hmm. Okay. The newly released book uh, tones down that phrase to merely potentially storing ballots.
1: Uh, mm. So the book is even weaker. You have to pay for the book to God, find out that the story right. sucks.
0: Man, God bless the poor son of a gun who had to read both of these <laughs> books yeah. line by line and go through and find mm-hmm. what changed. God help that young person, what whoever they were. You mean the original manuscript oh, right. and the yes. and the and the you know the edited one. God.
1: Yeah, the Sounds lawyer. like a
0: terrible job. Yeah. The
1: lawyer's assistant Yeah, or the, the clerk?
0: Yeah, it's a clerk. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, nobody, nobody making any real money is going to do that kind of horrid task.
1: Hey, Dinesh D'Souza, <laughs> line reader clerk, come on the podcast. Come on the pod,
0: please. Oh, my God. We'd love to have you. We'll pay you. Uh, we will not pay you. We will not. We will not be paying you. <laughs> Jake, he, we'll be, maybe we'll pay you
1: out of his own pocket. We will potentially human traffic you.
0: I love that, though. Of course, they were like trafficking, trafficking. It's a it's a word that gets a lot of traction. Uh, So let's just use it for all of the things vote trafficking and uh, abortion trafficking. And, uh, uh, you know, what what else could they apply this to?
2: By the way, uh, I do want to mention that the the reporter at NPR who was involved in this is named uh, Tom Dreisbach. And um, he, he, he apparently he drove around from like bookstore to bookstore trying to find a copy of this book before finally coming across it.
0: Well, God bless his soul, too, because I know uh, as somebody who was an assistant for many years, driving to multiple stores to find a particular item uh, can be a little bit taxing on the old
2: brain. So the original version of the book names specific nonprofits supposedly involved in the scheme, but those have all been removed in the actually published, uh, released one. Now, in lieu of listing specific groups, D'Souza writes, True the Vote shared their names with me and has offered to make them available as needed to the appropriate law enforcement authorities. So he stands uh, at the ready should the FBI come knocking sure. at his door and says, thank you, Dinesh, for saving the republic. Now, you can't know exactly what on inside of Regency that prompted this sort of this very drastic response, but it's, I think it's I think it's reasonable to speculate that lawyers uh, inside the company saw what happened with, like, Fox News over the Seth Rich lawsuit settlement, and they saw what happened with Alex Jones and the Sandy Hook uh, judgment, and they just did not want that heat. Uh, in fact, they decided yeah. that the financially prudent thing to do was, like, take the hit from, like, recalling the books and doing a revision and doing a repeat. And in order to avoid the risk of a serious lawsuit. So, you know, that's that's an that's interesting so development. Funny. And I think it's a it's a positive one. If uh, if, you know, these companies decide that, you know, there actually is because, you know, I think that, you know, money is the only language that these people speak or understand. So, uh, yeah. So if they decide that there are actually cost to outright lying about people, then maybe it will prompt them to scrutinize their own claims a little more closely should note that, uh, you know, despite that, I mean, the, the damage done by 2,000 mules it has already started to manifest because we're starting to see, most prominently we're seeing this in Arizona, so there have been armed men wearing tactical gear monitoring Maricopa County's Dropbox in Mesa. This is the site in uh, Arizona where you and I, Julian, started start to see the Stop the Steel movement really start to grow.
1: Yeah, that's a great place to hang out with uh, one's guns and and (laughs) pals and maybe put on like a Hawaiian shirt.
2: So these intimidation tactics have already sparked two separate lawsuits. According to one of those lawsuits, the people accused of voter intimidation are influenced by 2,000 mules.
0: This campaign of intimidation is predicated on lies. Defendants have promoted and fixated on a thoroughly debunked conspiracy theory that so-called, quote, ballot mules illegally, quote, stuffed ballots in drop boxes during the 2020 election. The theory arises from a widely viewed 2022 disinformation film, 2000 Mules, which falsely claims to show evidence, including surveillance footage, of these so-called, quote, mules illegally depositing ballots in drop boxes. In reality, the film, which has been roundly discredited by experts for its flawed analysis, presents images of innocent voters lawfully casting their ballots and uses their images to peddle a dangerous conspiracy theory that has done untold damage to those voters, their families, election workers, and trust in the electoral
1: process. I can't wait for Pixar's 2,000 Mules about a an island of donkeys. <laughs>
2: So, I mean, this is exactly the okay the impact of 2,000 Mules that I was worried about, is that, like, you know, it will obviously do nothing to help secure elections as, a, you know, as it exists in the, the minds of conspiracists, but instead will lead to the intimidation of innocent voters and probably decreased turnout because no one likes being intimidated. This is not the only act of voter intimidation that's been reported on in Arizona. A mysterious organization that calls itself Ben sent us, mailed out threatening letters in mass to more than a dozen county-level Democratic Party chairpersons in the state, and they vowed that members, quote, will be locating your homes and warning that those who are seen as allowing election fraud, quote, will be considered a traitor and dealt with accordingly, as you will. Uh, ordinary residents in the state have also reported uh, being targeted with ominous election flyers that warn that someone is watching them. The flyers direct readers to a website that includes a video with some, I'll be honest, some really corny, dramatic, internet, tough guy dialogue.
1: Oh, here we go. This is going to be some Jake-level shit.
2: And you want to know something? We're coming for you. That's right. We the people. You know, the ones you hate? Yeah, us. By the way, you won't hear us coming. You won't see us either. But we are coming. Because Ben sent us. You know, that guy on the money? Yeah, him. Don't sleep too soundly. That noise you hear might be one of us.
0: Okay, I think this is is made by liberals. This This is soy banter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what the fuck? It's Uh, it's very soy. Um,
1: yeah, me thinks uh, Ben (laughs) is coming.
0: Um, yeah, you know the guy on the money? Yeah, him. Dude. You know the people coming for you to watch to watch you vote?
1: Yeah. Chris it's Pratt us. is Mario in Ben sent us. The people SEMI, I'm you the people you don't like very much. The
0: people who you send angry replies to on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's us. <laughs>
1: There's a guy in a fucking <laughs> cheap, like Amazon bought ninja outfit, sitting in front of three screens with like Matrix code s- streaming down it. Like n- I know what it's so what? dumb, How it's so stupid st- corny, stupid. This oh, we've so descended into their, the their dumbest. have waste, wasted their time. The dumbest. The music ran out. The music ran out before the VO. You gotta this... time the music with the VO. I know. And, like,
0: and if you're gonna say. You know that guy, Ben? The guy
1: on the money? Don't show them a picture of a fucking stamp. Uh, Show the money. You know that guy, Ben? Yeah, the guy who makes great rice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ben is coming, and he's got one-minute microwave (laughs) rice for you. (laughs) Fuck. God damn! I wonder if they went back and
0: forth between like you know that guy Benjamin and they were like mm, doesn't mm, sound sounds... that hard Ben it's like Ben is like <laughs> the, is like you know the kid from my Hebrew school class that like uh, you know lent me money to go to the vending machines like Ben is just not
1: a very threatening sort of person to be sent from you know what I mean Yeah mm. Ben sent us we're looking to make some illegitimate uh, children with our slaves Yeah
0: Ben uh, his mother calls him Benjamin. He doesn't like that very much.
1: Yeah. You know. And also, is there no more perfect explanation of of the conservative mind's vision of Ben Franklin at this point? Yeah. The guy on the money. <laughs> That's what you <laughs> know about him. the guy him. on the money waiting yeah. in the shadows you know, of your pocket. The guy that, that you want to see because he has, it means you have money. You
0: know. The guy who features prominently in the <laughs> National Treasure movies. You know,
1: that fucking pog staring at you from the bills? You know, yeah, the one you like to look deep into the eyes of.
2: I know. God it's it it's simultaneously just, again, it's just dumb internet tough guy speak and the soy banter, but it's also very serious because this actually was these sorts of like threatening, we are watching you kind of like flyers were directly sent to Democratic chairpersons. So it's, it's designed for, to intimidation. I mean, no one really knows what, what's going on here, but yeah, it's very, very weird. Now while this is going on, the America Project, which is an organization by, you know, Patrick Byrne and Michael Flynn, are trying to recruit ex-military and first responders to staff polling locations around the country. Uh this is the project they're calling One More Mission. Unbelievable. Now, kind of an ominous Fuck name these guys.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's me, Ben. I've got f- syphilis. I'm overweight and a feet. Yeah, I'm coming. Slowly. <laughs> to be honest because i i feel terrible I, we're past benjamin sweaty.
2: franklin coming we're we're <laughs> g- we're beyond that now
1: no, no, I'm still thinking about this disgusting... <laughs> yeah, you thinking about... Wigged, <laughs> syphilis,
2: Old man Ben busting.
1: <laughs> trying to, imagine him in a ninja costume trying to, like, shuffle his way into your house, just knocking into door frames and shit, yeah, sweating. because, I mean, you know... Basic, <laughs> his spectacles falling ben off. Ben
0: Franklin, yeah, basically blind, uh, <laughs> from, from what I understand.
1: <laughs> yeah, Ben's coming. You can tell, because he knocked over your laundry <laughs>
2: hamper. <laughs> You <laughs> scared your cat. <laughs> one post on the America Project's Instagram reads quote, "America needs you now more than ever. You took an oath to preserve and protect the Constitution, and defending it means ensuring election integrity. So this is from a video promoting one more Mission. We are asking those men and women
1: to now continue their civic duty and their civic service by being a part of a new annual
0: tradition called One More Mission." The whole idea of One More Mission is to gather 30,000
1: men and women who have served this country to continue that service, this time as poll watchers.
0: Yeah, that is a uh, royalty-free, like, YouTube-inspiring music. I've definitely heard that before looking for trailer music.
1: (laughs) So wait, this this is essentially like Hallmark Presents Digital Soldiers, where it's like, you got the call. It's like, and it's going to be cool. We
0: want you to show up at your polling location armed to the fucking teeth. And with your help and your intimidating weapon, that for some reason you're allowed to carry out in the open in some states. Dude, we're counting on you to bring that big fucking gun to the front. All right, all right, enough. Enough, it's not a funny bit. Oh my God,
1: imagine the military giving you one last call, and it's like, yeah, you're going to go and, like, annoy people and wear, like, fucking Badges and but maybe you'll make a homemade sign about Sharpie
0: Gate. This is like what um uh, uh, John Schneider in the movie we did for Premium yes. is like
1: waiting for. Yes! He's like waiting this for that call. Becoming annoying. That's yeah. it. It's like become annoying. It's like because I think the majority of people here, their one last mission will just be to bother people mm-hmm. in the street, bother strangers, and yell political things at them that maybe those people don't even understand because they're not as like brain poisoned yeah. as you, you know?
0: Well, it, it sucks because like both sides do this, but uh, coming up to the election there, you know, each sort of messaging is like, now is your chance to preserve democracy one more time. Except the people on the right, like actually have the guns and they actually like will show up to the yeah, thing. The, the left thing. is just vote. Yeah. The left will just go out and vote and maybe like tell a couple friends. Maybe they'll make a couple posts about it.
2: Yeah. I guess posting point is, is that, you know, as we're coming up on uh, this midterm election, we're in a unique position in which the guy who won, who lost the, uh, the last election is, um, is still denies it was legitimate. Uh, there's lots of conspiracy theories flying around. Uh, ex-military people are recruited, being recruited to uh, serve as poll watchers. You know, it's it's potentially an ugly time. I don't like making predictions. I especially don't like doing any kind of like fear mongering because if you like, you if you talk about how scary and threatening things are, then you really you're no better than Alex Jones. But I feel like there are lots of ugly elements right now that make this coming election mm, potentially potentially going to involve you know casualties. So we'll see.
1: It's not great, and the real thing that you need to keep in mind is when you're watching TV and seeing the results come in, or when you're casting your vote, just remember that reality doesn't exist. You can just think that your truth Mm -hmm. is being honored. So it's like, you know, vote your truth, interpret the results in your truth, and just be in your truth. There is one way for all of this to be believable
0: and real, and that's if your side wins. Uh, If you win it was legit.
1: Even then it won't feel real. That's why QAnon exists in the first place because it didn't feel real. It didn't feel like a win. Mm. It didn't actually get anything accomplished. The same way that the the liberal win of the presidency hasn't dramatically changed any of the things that, you know, liberals were screaming about during the Trump years, you know, it hasn't really changed the cruelty of the prison system. It hasn't really changed the cruelty of the immigration system. It hasn't really uh, necessarily, you know, changed uh, our foreign aggression or, uh, you know, our, our path towards war with certain other nations. So, you know, at the end of the day, your truth is probably actually better because it's like, even if you win, it's going to feel kind of weird. And guess what? In two years, you're going to start getting emails again about how fucking democracy is under attack. And yeah. if you don't vote this time, this time, yeah, and I, things are going to go to shit. I've gotten more emails about democracy being under.
0: Here's seat. the
2: thing about those emails: they only have to be right one time.
1: <laughs> I mean, I look forward to the you know dark Brandon Caliphate, um, you know, uh, or or Trumpistan, or the Great American Divorce, or whatever's going to happen next. Because what is certain is that this podcast will have things to study for years to come. You know, obviously, we have deep connections into the system and we've been manipulating it. So it got stupider and funnier. And as a result, we'll have content.
2: I also want to discuss, uh, like you mentioned, Julian, uh, Lara Logan and her journey from being a highly respected reporter for CBS News to being too pilled for Fox News and Newsmax, because this is perhaps what the most dramatic falls from journalistic grace ever. Lara Logan recently got some renewed attention when she said during an interview on Newsbacks with Eric Bowling that the elites dine on the blood of infants.
3: I believe that good is greater than evil, and I believe that the fallen angel, otherwise known as Satan, doesn't get to prevail in this world. So um, if you follow the Bible, or if you follow the Quran, or you follow uh, the Book of Mormon, you know, people talk in various different ways about the end times. And if you fight for God, God will fight for you, but people, final, humanity. Final thought,
0: and Lara, avoid- Final thought, though. I have to. I have to ask you this because my my audience is, is very God fearing, God loving, etc. Final thought. I only a couple of seconds, please. Um, does is God okay with a closed border?
3: It's much bigger than that. God believes that in in sovereignty and national identity and the sanctity of family and all the things that we've lived with from the beginning of time, and He knows that the open border is Satan's way of taking control of the world through all of these uh, people who are His stooges and His and His uh, servants, and they may think that they're going to become gods. That's what they tell us. You've all know Harari and and all the rest of them at the World Economic Forum. You know the ones who want us eating insects, cockroaches, and that while they dine uh, on the blood of the children. Yeah. Those are the people, right? They're not yeah. going to win. We, They're not going to win. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: final thought there, Laura. Uh, oh my <laughs> God. We have regressed so
0: far back. I mean, these are the kind of conversations that they would have had on like, uh, you know, on like a wooden stage <laughs> in like the 1800s being but, like,
1: like uh, it's, oh my goodness. I, I think uh, our, our friend Will over at Chapo said it best when he said that it seems like a large part of America now has the belief system of a medieval peasant with none of the socioeconomic uh, justifications for it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, my favorite part about this clip. So she she got she got a bit in, in trouble for that, to the point that like newsmax distance themselves from her. But the things that, the things that she was doing fine when she said Satan wants an open border. No problem with that. When she was f- doing fine, when she was saying, oh, like the, the uh, elites want us to eat bugs, you know, this is like, you know. But as soon as she said they died on the blood of infants, that's when she crossed the line. This is, I think, a characteristic of Lara Logan, is that she gets the general vibe of like right-wing conspiracism, but she always mm-hmm. takes it a single step too far.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, new new Kanye-Laura Logan collab incoming. Oh,
1: for sure. <laughs> yeah, I laugh, but it's not that funny. Yeah, I mean, I could see a Adrenochrome yay album coming. Yeah. Just doing full-on blood libel. Yeah,
2: sure. Newsmax in a statement said that it condemns in the strongest terms the reprehensible statements made by Laura Logan. They also said that they have no plans to interview her again. When the Daily Beast asked whether Eric Bowling or the network plans to address the ordeal on air. A spokesperson said that Newsmax statement condemning Logan's uh, statements will suffice, and they emphasized that the network is not actually cutting ties with her because they have no ties with her and they never had ties with her. <laughs> Furthermore, the <laughs> spokesman said uh, Newsmax has never had a relationship with all, instead, pointing out that she was a frequent presence on Rifle Fox News. Not only do we have nothing to do with Lara Logan, but she was actually a frequent, uh, she was hired by Fox News uh, the yeah, other day. They, they interviewed her more. Yes, right. Yeah. So they're trying to dump the blame. So that's that's how far <laughs> she's gone. Now it's just really extraordinary. Um so so Lara Logan for her part did not back down. On a program hosted by Emerald Robinson, uh, she defended her remarks by referencing the false claim that hundreds of thousands of children are just disappear each year in the United States. Oh,
0: dear.
3: And, you know, while I have the greatest respect and uh, um, admiration and affection for, for Eric, um, he's a pro. You know, this is not his fault. But I, So I really don't, don't care what Newsmax says and does at all, not one bit. But going to what I actually said, the reason I believe that people reacted that way is it's all about the children. The question they don't want us asking is where are all the missing children? What happens to these children? How can hundreds of thousands of kids go missing in the United States every year and nobody knows where they are? They just vanish? I don't think so. I mean, between facial recognition software, voice recognition software, and all the different ways to track people, how can we in this day and age not be able to find them? How can uh, hundreds of thousands of children have disappeared from uh, the uh, records of CPS? You know, how can our Child Protective Services, you speak to anybody in the trafficking industry and they will tell you that CPS is involved.
1: It rocks that like every shot of her is her in her horribly decorated kind of like upper middle class home with like these white uh, moldings and like shitty giant fake candles and a big bouquet of flowers except the logo in the bottom left just keeps getting worse and worse. It's like Fox <laughs> News, Newsmax, absolute truth <laughs> yeah. on Lindell TV. <laughs> yeah. You could just
2: see her yeah, slowly losing she's her mind. so pilled. I mean. Yeah, she's gone. Wow. So it, wasn't always like this. Um, at one point, Lara Logan once had a dream career for any journalist. She had a lucrative network news contract, the respect of her peers, and a hefty collection of awards. So I was really curious how the hell it got to this point. Uh, so I you know, I kind of reviewed her history of reporting, and what I found that she was, uh, she's a woman who could have had it all, but she fumbled the bag big time, not once, but twice. So Let's start at the beginning. So she came from a well-off South African family, one of three children, but uh, it was torn apart when her father, a textile importer, confessed to having a child by another woman when Logan was eight years old. She says that she got her start in journalism in the late 80s while still in high school.
3: I started out in South Africa as a print journalist um, when I was 17 and still in high school. I... Um, you know, I pretty much thought that I was going to be, you know, making tea and cleaning up after people. Um, when a, a, a veteran journalist said, you know, I went up to her, she came to speak to us at school about the extra parliamentary political activity of um, women in South Africa who were uh, fighting apartheid. And, um, which was a system of racial division and oppression in South Africa. and um, And she gave me, you know, the opportunity. She was like, well, come by the paper. And, um, you know, the news editor had a cigarette butt hanging out one side of his mouth and he had popcorn skin and every second word was a curse word and, you know, a cup of, uh, cold coffee in his hand all the time. It was a real, one, you know, real old school newsroom. When I went there, that was in 1988, I think mm. that was, wow, it seems a long time ago. Anyway, um. I pretty much just talked my way into every job after that.
2: So I think this is also pretty key to understanding Lara Logan. I mean, this profession, journalism, is really the only life she's like really ever known. The, she's just, she's been doing it since she was, you know, a teenager. She got her college degree in South Africa while working part-time as a newspaper reporter and also earning money as a swimsuit model. In the mid-1990s, after a stint working for Reuters, she made her way to London. In the late 90s, she worked as a stringer for CNN during the conflict in the Balkans. Around the same time, she married an American who played in the British Basketball League. Logan didn't attract much attention until she started working for a breakfast show in Britain called GMTV. After the U.S. invasion of Afghanistan, she persuaded her superiors to let her cover the war, and they agreed. She flew to Afghanistan and ultimately made her way to Kabul, where she rented an apartment, hired her own driver and security man, and started hunting down war stories. A profile in New York Magazine tells of how this led to her big break in American news media.
0: The trip to Kabul quickly paid dividends. Logan started reporting for CBS as a radio stringer. In November of 2001, when the Taliban's grip on the Capitol was loosened, there were no CBS reporters on hand except Laura Logan. She found a satellite and made a segment for the evening news. Producers in New York had never laid eyes on Logan, but when she appeared on screen, she instantly caught the attention of the executive producer of the CBS Evening News, Jim Murphy, who phoned CBS News president Andrew Hayward to alert him. Initially, Hayward didn't act on the tip and was soon in the position of having to bid for her contract against every other network that noticed what Murphy noticed, a captivating beauty with a smoldering presence in the war zone. Logan was picked up by a powerful agent, Carol Cooper, and soon had a full-time contract at CBS for a reported $1 million, which included work at the Wednesday spinoff of 60 Minutes.
2: While at CBS, she earned a reputation for being fearless, bordering on reckless. Someone in her security detail was shot during a trip to Pakistan to see an al-Qaeda training camp. After a time, cameramen in the London bureau of CBS News refused to work with her, fearing that she would get someone killed. Despite that, the president of CBS News was sure that Logan had a place in the future of the network. A 2005 New York Times article headlined, Warzone It Girl Has a Big Future at CBS News, said this.
1: Now, as the new president of CBS News, Sean McManus, weighs whether to remake the CBS Evening News with a single anchor or an ensemble, he has already made one early decision about the future of the broadcast. Miss Logan, her title yet to be determined, will be one of its stars. When the new Evening News is unveiled, probably sometime next year, Miss Logan will have a lead role reporting from abroad, Mr. McManus said in an interview last week. In that capacity, she will be asked to apply her experience as a war correspondent and her penchant for daring do to one of the most intractable challenges in broadcasting, luring young viewers to the news. Some people just jump off the screen and have star value, Mr. McManus said. Lara Logan falls in that category.
2: It's just really extraordinary about, like, the way people talked about her here in the, the mid-2000s compared to where she ended up. Because everyone was like, oh, man, she is a star. She's got it. She is definitely has a future at, like, you know, the mo- most prestigious broadcast news programs in the country. Mm.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm just like, oh, this is a fucking hologram. She looks like every other uh, woman on the news and a mm. person on the news, like some sort of a plastic uh fake human that uh, nobody can or should trust. But the guys in the office who have, like, the button to lock the door uh, on anybody, yeah, like, they're all like, this person
2: rocks. In 2008, she divorced her then-husband and married her current husband, Joe Burkett. Uh, Burkett was, at the time, a government contractor in Baghdad and a former Texas Army National Guardsman. His company did public relations for the military.
1: Wow, okay.
2: This was a weird little interesting detail. I don't know everything about, like, you know, journalistic ethics, but I feel like, you know, there might be a conflict of interest in being a reporter on war zones that the U.S. Yeah. military is involved in and being married to someone who makes money by making the U.S. military look good, you know?
0: Yeah, there mm-hmm. might be a conflict of a uh, pilled husband.
2: <laughs> yeah. Not a whole lot is actually known about Burkett, but there's one really interesting detail. So he's apparently like a bit player in the story of the development of the Seth Rich conspiracy theory. According to reporting from Will Sommer at the Daily Beast, in 2017, Burkett attended a meeting at the house of Ed Butowski, who is a Texas businessman who was responsible for helping give a lot of oxygen to the conspiracy theory. So the meeting was attended by a lot of other notorious trolls and conspiracy theorists, and they purportedly discussed the possibility of wiretapping the family of Seth Rich. They uh, allegedly never followed through on this idea, and no one has any further details on why exactly Laird Logan's husband was at this meeting, or if he had any other involvement in the Seth Rich conspiracy theories. Just weird little little detail about his life. Hmm. Now... I don't want to linger on this point, but um, one of the most reported events of Lara Logan's time at CBS News was her horrific sexual assault in Egypt. This occurred in 2011 when she was reporting on the fall of the government of then-President Hosni Mubarak. While among a group of men celebrating in Tahrir Square in Cairo, she was ripped away from her producer and bodyguard by a group of men who tore at her clothes and groped and beat her body. She estimated that she was assaulted for about 25 minutes before being rescued by a group of civilians and Egyptian soldiers. I mean, she talks; she's very, very open about this. I remember yeah, when horrible. this was
0: like all yeah. was was all over the news, and there was the they had videotape of her being ripped away, and and yeah, I mean, it's fucking awful. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, really, really really wretched stuff um but yeah she she has discussed it um extensively for anyone that really wants to learn more but what really contributed to lair logan's downfall as a respected reporter is her botched uh, reporting on the attacks on the american diplomatic compound and cia station in benghazi libya so what, what happened there so four americans including u.s ambassador christopher stevens Uh, were killed. This incident was potentially politically explosive because Republican lawmakers claim that President Barack Obama uh, and Secretary of State Hillary Clinton had left the mission in Libya exposed and without the military presence needed to fend off an attack. Logan says that she and her 60 Minutes team spent more than a year on the story and interviewed dozens of people One of these men was named Dylan Davies, who is a British man who supervised and trained Libyans who stood guard at the diplomat compound's gate. Davies told Logan that after he was notified of the attacks, he left his apartment and went to the compound and scaled its 12-foot perimeter wall. Once inside, Davies said he encountered an enemy combatant and he stated that he hit the would-be attacker in the face with the butt of his rifle. He also claimed that he saw Ambassador Stevens' body later that night in the hospital. However, Davies' story started to fall apart when the Washington Post and the New York Times reported on a contemporaneous incident report which stated that Davies actually never made it to the compound. Turns out he was trying to sell a book that exaggerated his involvement in the incident. Oh. This led 60 Minutes to basically retracting the story and Larry Logan to personally apologizing for putting him on the air.
3: And he said that he told the FBI the same story that he had told us. But what we now know is that he told the FBI a different story to what he told us. And, you know, that was the moment for us when we realized um, that we no longer had confidence in our source and that we were wrong to put him on air. And we apologize to our viewers.
2: It was later revealed that 60 Minutes' usual fact-checking procedures were not followed. Uh, no calls were made to the State Department or the FBI specifically to vet Davies' claims. And it was just kind of a scandal because it was, uh, it was entirely possible to check whether or not he actually told other people the same story that he later told 60 Minutes. And it uh, out, turns out he did not do that.
1: They applied the classic analysis of sounds cool.
2: Yeah, that was basically that was basically it. They thought he sounded trustworthy enough. Logan was forced to take a leave of absence due to the errors in the Benghazi report. In 2014, a story in New York Magazine detailed the drama surrounding the Bosch report. In a later defamation suit, she claimed that that particular uh, New York Magazine report harmed her ability to find other work, and also CBS cut her salary. She said that she was making $2.1 million in 2014, but that was reduced to... A measly three-quarters of a million dollars in 2015. Honestly, barely livable. But still, that's a lot of money to lose.
1: That's really sad. I mean, how the fuck are you going to afford uh, the white moldings uh, on your <laughs> yeah, interiors if, if you could only make uh, $750,000 a year?
2: Yeah. In 2018, she quietly left CBS after her contract expires. Now... It is
1: better now, though. She gets paid, like, what, 15 my pillows a year? Yeah.
2: <laughs> You know, I I mean, there's really no way to know what is going on in someone's mind, but I I think that the combination of her being trashed by that New York Magazine article and being let go by CBS really like flipped a switch in her, and and then she fell. Not into, to mention
0: the traumatic experience of of being raped on the job. I mean, uh, yeah, that, you know. yeah.
2: I mean, she is, yeah, she's someone who I mean feels like she gave everything to this profession even like you know her safety or um and uh you know her she she very nearly died she thought she was Mm -hmm. about to die and feels like her reward for all of the things that she's done for the you know her profession of journalism is to you know to be let go
0: Well, and then you also have this idea of somebody going from being the golden it girl, you know, to having to go on national and television and apologize for, you know, a major
1: mistake. Um, I'm going to say we should just stay away from calling war reporters it girls. Yeah.
2: Now She started on her path towards right-wing kookery pretty innocuously. Just three short years ago, she made comments on a podcast saying that there was a liberal bias in media and that reporting standards had slipped in the age of Trump.
3: But in this country, 85 percent of journalists are registered Democrats. So that's just a fact. We have few conventions, if you like, because they're not really rules, but that. You need at least two first-hand sources for something, right? Those things help keep you, um, you know, keep your work to a certain standard. Those are, those standards are out the window. I mean, you read one uh, story after another or hear it, and it's all based on one anonymous administration official, a former administration mm-hmm. official, right? I mean, that's long. just, that's not journalism that's... Yeah. Sorry, that yeah. is absolute...
2: Now, I think what's really interesting about this is that, like, this is... Again, pretty mild. This is like, like Tucker Carlson is about you know, 10 notches more extreme than this kind, of, this kind of rhetoric, right? I mean, if she had just stuck with like, hey, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the, the stories about Trump are kind of thinly sourced, she could have had a very great career on Fox News, but she went down a uh, darker path. In 2020, Logan was hired by Fox News to do a series of shows on their online streaming service called Lara Logan Has No Agenda, which is, yeah. You know, Okay. Yeah, kind of, That I mean, kind of suspicious name. And that's when she started falling for obvious hoaxes about Antifa. On May 31st, 2020, for example, uh, she tweeted out an image of a document she alleged to be an Antifa battle plan, claiming that they had infiltrated law enforcement and provided a riot manual for protesters. All those Antifa cops, of course, who who were, you know, just rotten. The document, however, was merely a recirculated version of a hoax that was first peddled during the April 2015 Baltimore riots over Freddie Gray's death in police custody. Uh, The document is not real. The following day, Logan posted a picture of a tweet purporting to come from a national Antifa group threatening to terrorize majority white neighborhoods. The tweet she cited said, quote, Tonight's the night, comrades. Tonight we say, fuck the city. We move into the residential areas, the white hoods, and we take what's ours. And then they, they include a black raised fist emoji. This obviously was also not real.
1: It also includes a hashtag Black Lives Maters, missing <laughs> yeah. a T, yeah. and a hashtag Fuck America. It has a, a middle finger emoji that, yep. of course, is black. Yeah. Just... Just just really shoddily done (laughs) stuff. It's like all those conservatives who take photos of like, uh, you know, their house or their car that's been spray painted. And it's just clearly like a false flag that
2: they put together. That tweet uh, actually came from a fake account linked to a white nationalist group, uh, Identity Europa, and they are posing as Antifa while calling for violence. So, it seems like she did not learn her lesson from her bungled Benghazi report about fact-checking. The fact that she kept falling for obvious hoaxes was reported on by Media Matters and others. But instead of just admitting that she made a mistake, she accused Media Matters of trying to smear her uh, in this tweet.
0: I am not going to play their game. I am not going to let the truth be suppressed or obscured. I am not going to be intimidated. No doubt Media Matters of America has marshaled their army and all their resources to destroy me and my family as they have done to others. God damn it. Like, how come whenever somebody's attacked, it's because somebody is funding them and they are trying to silence them as opposed to just, like, maybe they're saying dumb shit?
1: Because everybody understands that there are, like, deeply funded groups basically manipulating the world around us. And so it just, like, feels right, you know? I mean, if you like someone, they're under attack, like... Definitely a psyop. Yeah.
2: This right now is, is a little bit crazier than just saying, hey, the, the media has a liberal bias. But I think it's still within the, I guess, the acceptable range of weird shit you can say and still appear on right wing media. So it's not she hasn't like totally out of bounds quite yet, but she just kept getting worse. During a November 2021 appearance on Fox News primetime, she compared uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci uh, to Joseph Mengele. The Nazi doctor who worked (laughs) at Auschwitz (laughs) during the Holocaust. Oh,
1: my God. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry, but Fauci just doesn't have. He does. Yeah, he, he doesn't, doesn't have the juice. Yeah, man. he doesn't <laughs> have the juice to be a mango Yeah, yeah, he's. Yeah, what the he's heck? He's too milk toast. It's always funny when like conservatives pick a figure that's that like milk toast. Yeah. And, and kind of meek, and they're like. This guy is like the biggest Nazi mastermind doctor in history.
3: And so in that moment, what you see on Dr. Fauci, this is what people say to me, that he doesn't represent science to them. He represents Joseph Mengele, Dr. Joseph Mengele, uh, the the Nazi doctor who did experiments on Jews during the Second World War and in the concentration camps. And I am talking about people all across the world are saying this.
0: Oh, boy, the two Fox News broadcasters are like... It's you know it's got to suck being an anchor on Fox News to some degree because anytime you have a guest on you've got a 7 out of 10 chance that they're just going to pop mm-hmm. off with some really bizarre fucking potentially mm-hmm. get you in trouble kind of shit.
1: Oh yeah, your entire job is to keep a completely straight face, to have no reaction when someone does like crazy out there stuff. <laughs>
2: So Logan's comments were panned by a number of Jewish groups and the Auschwitz Memorial and Museum. Uh, when you're fighting with, fighting with them, you know, you're not in the right path. Uh, she was also reportedly dropped by her town agency following the comments. On the interview on the Eric McTaxis show, she said that she was pushed out by Fox News. Did you feel that you were pushed out or did you step away?
3: No, I was definitely pushed out. I mean, there's no doubt about that. They don't want independent thinkers. They don't want people who follow the facts regardless of the politics. You know, I always say I don't belong to any party. I don't belong to any one side. And while people, um, you know, they want to class me as the darling of the right wing and so on and so on, I really don't worry about media organizations who for years have reported false stories. Why should I care what they have to say?
1: Why, when someone goes to the far right, do they say they don't like either side? I mean, it is so funny. It's like... No, you you like one side too much.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's always it's always the same thing: fair and balanced, no agenda, right in the center. It's like, oh, so you are a far far right lunatic. It's just for some reason that's yep. always a red flag. It, it, the funny thing is, that I think it's another good example of like where for some reason. Lara Logan, she she gets the gist of, like, you know, the narrative she should be pushing if she wants to be a right-wing pundit, but she doesn't know where the line is, right? Because if she said Dr. Fauci is uh, evil, if you even said Dr. Fauci should be fired and arrested, like, they, she would be fine. Instead, she took it that step too far, and then she got dumped by Fox News. Earlier this year she appeared on the Charlie Kirk show and said that vaccines are killing people which prompted Charlie Kirk to try to cut away from her to a break.
3: Look at what we have comorbidities the vaccines right. are killing people. So you know while some people so, may believe that they're We got to get to a break. They're right they're saving some people they are actually murdering people. This is, you know, genocide by government. Right. So
2: we got to get knows? to a break, Laura. <laughs> I can't. She's too pilled for Newsmax. Too pilled for Fox News. Too pilled for like independent, sort of like you know, Charlie Kirk show. Uh, She's just going spiraling down. So now that now that basically her her home is like QAnon shows. She's
0: too honest, man. You know, she's just too honest. You know, they're in, you know, Charlie Kirk is talking with his producers after the segment being like, man, you know, she can say that kind of stuff. She just has to sort of say it in a way that, you know, uh, sort of uh, backs away from total responsibility like we do. Like she's just, she's not media savvy enough to hang with with anything, any far right content that's like above the QAnon swamp.
2: On a recent interview with the QAnon show, And We Know, Larry Logan claimed that the theory of evolution was financed by the Rothschilds, which is not true.
3: I mean, when I found out, does anyone know when, who employed Darwin, where Darwin is and comes from? <laughs> uh, go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, look it up. The yeah. Rothschilds.
1: Yeah. It yep.
3: goes right back to 10 Downing Street.
1: All the way. And
3: the same people who employed Darwin Mm-hmm. and that's when darwin you know wrote his theory of evolution and so on and so on and mm. i'm not saying that none of that is true right. i'm just saying darwin was hired by someone mm-hmm. to come up with a theory
1: jesus christ come
3: what on
0: what the fuck is she reading it's it's one thing it's one thing to say you know fox news was hired by someone to oust her or you know whatever but to go all the way back and say darwin <laughs> was Darwin was was at the end of the puppet strings of the yeah, like oh awesome. my god yeah what is she reading i want to yeah, know
1: she's reading some I, deep
2: like yeah, white supremacist lore
0: yeah i bet her i bet her websites i bet they look bad i bet they look like geo city's pages
2: she also has her own I guess, self-produced show, and on it recently, uh, she claimed that the United States was founded by people who were fleeing the influence of the Rothschilds. The audio quality on this clip is abysmal, but again, this appears to be a totally self-produced show of hers.
3: If you go back to the founding of this country back in 1776, right— And you look at how this country was founded. You had people who were escaping the reach of the Rothschilds and, you know, the um, central bankers of today, those old families. You had them uh, break free of their clutches and head for the colonies, right, head into uncharted waters. And the Illumines at the time, which is the hierarchy of the Illuminati, they allowed that to happen. They had people watching this um, experiment to make sure that, if it indeed did succeed, that they would have the ability to influence it and control it.
1: Wow, she's bordering on uh, Uncoverable for a podcast. Uh, The sound
2: is just so fucked up. Yeah, right. She she is just rambling about—it sounds like weird, deep Nazi lore, frankly, um, and a just bizarre, horrible sound quality. Uh, I mean— it just I just want to get, just again, like like 17 years ago, like the New York Times was writing about what a bright, incredible future in broadcast journalism she has. And now she's here. Let
0: this be a lesson to all who listen. You know, yeah, you've got 20 years ago. You're on your you, you know, you're the top pick, a million dollar contract, million dollar contract. You know, to be, you know, sought after by all of the major media news organizations. You're on the morning shows. You're on the evening shows. Your sound quality is excellent. Your picture quality is fantastic. And now, uh, due to an unflinching belief in conspiracy theories, your audio sucks. Your picture quality sucks. You're rambling about, like, ancient Nazi lore uh, to... You know, I have to imagine that the size of the audience is is not what it was in the sixty minutes
2: days. No, it's not. I think it's uh, you know, it's it's. I feel like this is another casualty of being deeply pilled.
0: Well, and because of the you know sort of conspiracist sort of mindset, you know, the the reason for this is all well. I'm being suppressed. I'm being suppressed, and and you you take on the role of this resistance sort of broadcast underground radio. You know, I'm I'm getting this out. I have to do it on my own. You know, this is all self funded now. It's you know I am the last voice. You know, you are your Woody Harrelson on the mountain as the volcano explodes in the 2012 uh, John Cusack movie. Like, if there isn't a more stark sort of portrayal of the descent uh, from, from grace, uh, you know, uh, that's caused by latching on to wild conspiracy theories, you know, especially far-right ones, uh, I, I don't know one. Thanks for listening to another episode of the QAnon Anonymous podcast. You can go to patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and subscribe for five bucks a month to get a whole second episode every week, plus access to our entire archive of premium episodes.
2: Listener, until next week, May the deep dish bless you and keep you.
1: It's not a conspiracy, it's <laughs> fact. And now, today's
0: Auto-Q.
3: So the statement that you said was the world leaders dine on the blood of children. And what I want you to do is to take this moment to explain, as an investigative journalist, to explain what do you mean? Well, first and foremost, um, what I want to tell you is that it's all about the children, right? And I said that because I am currently working on a four-part series. When I relaunched my show, I'm working on a four-part series on child trafficking. And when you start to go into this very dark world of trafficking, you learn about a lot of things that many people don't want to accept, and many people don't want to face, and many people don't want to believe is true. But my job as a journalist is to follow the facts regardless of where they take me. I couldn't care less about politics. I am not defined by Democrat or Republican or left or right. They they try all the time to, to put me in a little box and it never sticks because it's completely and utterly untrue. And what I care about is understanding, number one, what has happened to all of these missing children? How come hundreds of thousands of children go missing every year? How come they go missing in child protective services and in their custody? How come so many of the kids, 70, 80% of the kids that end up in sex trafficking have been through the foster care system? This is not okay. And when you start to go and investigate it and you learn the details of it, they say the devil is in the details. And that is true both literally and figuratively.